This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. This is the Old School Blues Podcast, episode number one. I am Vince, and I'm sitting alongside with Eric Tankar tonight. Hey, folks. How are you? We're back with another episode, and uh, this week it's just going to be Eric and myself. As you see, as the episodes go on, we're just going to be some core people with a little mix of other people here and there. Try to get the best and the brightest out there, and the personalities that everybody likes out there in the field. I'm sure we'll drag some other people from the Wild Games Productions uh, crew into here, such as probably Glenn from Thacko's Hammer and uh, Crispy from uh, Critical Wits and RFI sometimes. And uh, I'm sure we'll bring in uh, Timothy Brandon also, who uh, who said he might jump into the show once in a while. So we'll have some different voices here and there, and uh, James Spahn will be back uh, very shortly as well. He had the night off. So uh, we hope James is doing well. Indeed. Yeah. So, Eric, what have you been up to? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, besides causing my normal disturbances in the force. <laughs> well, yeah, that's normal for you. Yeah. Um, I uh, submitted uh, Swords and Woods Relight. It's going to be going through editing and uh, layout in the next uh, couple weeks. So I'm excited about that. Yay. I got to do the support page now. Which really should be done before that actually releases. So what's happy. The, what's the support page going to be like? Um, possibly uh, additional spells, uh, oh. charts. Yeah, it's, it's support like if you want to expand beyond the light rules that you're given in four pages. You know, mix and match and choose what you want. Because they really are a light set of rules, and there's only so much you can include in four pages. So, well, wouldn't you just pick up the full edition of Sword and Wizardry and just add in whatever you want? You could very easily do that, but some people are going to want to keep it as light as possible for as long as possible. So we're trying to have that ready, too. All right. It's actually going to be an actual web page or just a page on your blog? or It's probably going to be an actual web page that is a page or multiple pages on the blog. They're not going to be blog posts. Right. right. They're actually <clears throat> be pages. Huh? That's a good idea. Good, 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 good. Indeed. And what about you, sir? I've been doing some writing projects that I really can't talk about because of NDA. So, oh, I like NDA. Yeah, so hopefully those will go pretty well, and once I get the all clear, I will talk about that some more. But Exciting. In the meantime, why don't you head over to mischiefincorporated.net. There are sponsors for the show, and you can uh, save 5% off on any order you place with them for your first-time order using Old School Blues, and the school part of blues is spelled with a 5, so Old 5 and then Kewl Blues. <laughs> so old, it actually just looks like the word Old School Blues, but the S is a 5, and you'll save 5% off any module that they have there, or item. I think they have a hat as well, which is kind of cool. And I'm sure you'll put that on our webpage that... But those that have like a, you know, mental hiccup when you're explaining, it can actually visually look at the old school blues code. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I'll put that on the yeah. okay. on the show notes on the webpage so you can uh, use that for your first order and grab one of their modules, which we will be doing a review of in episode number three, I believe. If I'm looking at my little docket here correctly, uh, we'll be doing. Um, oh, I just lost the page. Do <laughs> you remember which one it was, Eric? Uh, which episode? Well, this no. is episode. Or what, or what adventure? Yeah, what adventure we were doing. I, I can't remember uh, what it was. No, it doesn't really uh, matter at this point. I think it was A1 or something like that, I believe. Yeah, uh, you could be right. Adventure uh, Most Foul or something? Adventure Foul? I'm sorry about that, uh, Alex. I apologize, but my web browser is not working at the moment, so oh well. But if I was working, I would head right over to their site and save 5% right now. There you go. Two thumbs up. All right, let's uh, head into our first segment to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. This is how we roll. This is how... Oh, that's not the song. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. If you have an idea for this segment, which we can review or talk about, you might want to give us an email at oldschoolpodcast at dgstexas.com. That is deadgatesocietytexas.com, oldschoolpodcast. Head to our website, dgstexas.com. That's Delta George Sam, texas.com, and throw in your idea to us. This week we had an email that came in, and we're going to be reviewing a module that is for the Black Hack, for the OSR... uh, games. It's by Dice Attic Games. It's called They Met in a Tavern. It's a pay what you want. I always call it pay what you will, but... <laughs> well, either way. Yeah. And it's uh, it's meant for mostly for a convention, but we'll get into that in a second. It has been it was written by... <clears throat> excuse me, my throat's here. I think Joseph... Oh, sorry. Jason Balak. Balak? Balak. Balak? B-L-A... L-O-C-K. Blalak. Star Trek fans will recognize that name because the actress that played T'Pol on Enterprise was also Balak. Jolene. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say it was named Jason. No. In which case, I'd be very no, no, weird, no. but okay. No, no, no. Her last name was the same last name. I wonder if they're related or just kind of uh-huh. one of those things. If they were related, cool. You get to know somebody cool. Yeah. But uh, it's a 21-page module with um, rather large font, which uh, I don't know why he did so large. Maybe just to cover more page space so it's easier to read. But uh, my first impression of this was, I mean, they could have stretched it out a little bit more, get a little more detail, maybe not use such big a font. That's the only major complaints. And if that's the only complaints I really have about this, and then this is a pretty good module in my opinion. <coughs> What's your first uh, impression, Eric? Well, again, it, it's pay what you want, pay what you will, pay what you won't, whatever. Um, if I had paid for this with the idea of I'm getting a 20-page adventure, I would have been disappointed by what I was given. What is, he, what is here is good. Don't get me wrong. I do actually I like what is here, but to my eyes, if I was using this in a convention, unless I get really... I'm really lucky to get players that can't shut up and really enjoy playing out their roles. It's going to play out very quickly. And if I integrate this into a campaign, it's not a night of adventure. This is uh, an encounter that happens, 
with them or my party when they're in this uh, in, in a small town it's not enough to feed uh to my eyes a full night of gaming but there's a lot of, there's a good seed here and, and a good dm could actually flesh this out and go lots of places with it we'll get to that yeah i if you don't have a when i was at gen con and i ran two adventures the first group like you said was all about role play, all about fighting, all about getting engaging with the group and with me, and it was a hell of a time. I mean, it was like, wow, yeah, bang, boom. The second group was like, I attack, right? I roll, I hit, I attack, and there was like no anything. There was no character play. It was just they were there to play, and they had a good time because they kept the character sheets because they liked it, and they were like, oh, thank you, thank you. But it was just there weren't that type of player for this. You have to have role players for this and you have to specifically say in your description at the at the convention this is a role playing event with some attack with some I guess action it would be called yeah if you're not a role player you probably will not enjoy this module at all well again if if it's an, if it's a convention setting it's going to be really short without the role play. If you're going to include this into your ongoing campaign, this is not uh, a, a full night's gaming, and your players, as long as you as a DM are ready to have additional material, your players will never know it, that it's it's standalone or whatever. You just slide it in. I, I think that it'll work. Just you have to go into it with the right expectations of this is not a four-hour uh, encounter adventure. It's two hours. It's my group. It's probably close to about forty-five minutes. <laughs> I would think at a convention, if you have just normal standard players, you'd get about maybe two hours out of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's a two-hour slot, and that includes giving them fifteen minutes to go over the character right. sheets. Which this is the black hack, which is you know, Relatively if you know the black same, hack, yeah. think just basic D and D. It's a very stripped-down, easy version of a classic RPG but you have to know the character's motivations in this one if you're using it for the convention because they give you four characters not named uh, they're not given names or genders because they don't you know depending on how you got to drop it into a setting but then again if you drop if you using it in a convention situation you're not bringing your own setting to the table generally no but but uh, the four characters all have very that are given for the convention setting all have very unique motivations, and that's where you need really good role players because so, either they're gonna run with this, or they're gonna look at it and go, what do "When I do, do I swing? Yeah. yeah, when when do I roll?" So basically, it's four people that meet up in a tavern, and they all have motivation for being there at some point or other throughout the day. And apparently one of them has an ancient artifact on him <laughs> that right. he stole from a cult that he's part of. And this cult leader who's possessed by a demon now because of this item is come looking for this particular artifact. He shows up and that's when everything ensues. But looking at this module, I think it'd probably be better is if you take the suggestion that he has towards the back and let the PCs just... 
witness the events as it unfolds and try to resolve the issue for them and have the cast that's listed in here as all NPCs. Yes, and if you did that in your campaign, then you have the OS moment at the end when you have recovered this artifact. What do we do with it? And it doesn't... This encounter then is not a beginning and an end. It's the beginning of where are my players going to take this? Yeah, uh, you can do quite a bit if you do the let the PC observe everything and try to resolve it because you can make this cult member just a minor character in a cult that's now following the group around because they stole the artifact because why right. not why not? you can change the rule it says here this artifact was um it wants human sacrifices yeah it's like an antelope well it it, it turns people into antelopes well there are two there's a couple demons that come out of the shadows when he uh when yeah he, the he antelope speaks. demons yeah He's called the Remover of Bonds. That's the spirit itself who's possessed this cult leader who's looking for the artifact. I'm trying to find what the artifact. The artifact is a small bronze statue of a kneeling human figure with his head of something very like an antelope. Okay. So the, you can play it out that this guy comes looking for it. This whole things starts happening between the various NPCs. They start arguing about this. They start to fight. Maybe you step in as characters and help them out. Maybe some of them die. Maybe some of them don't. Maybe the the remover of bonds escapes somehow. And now you have this artifact and you have to help this person find a way to destroy this artifact. Because and I think this would have to be a lot of... See, now... A couple things in here make me wonder about it, Eric. Like, no, okay. how would... No. Okay, so the <laughs> characters that are set up in this module should know something about this artifact. Something of how to destroy it or what it would happen if they do destroy it in a certain way. But that's not really... I'm, I'm not sure it's that... It's not really detailed. All right. And for the listeners at home, the four characters are your four... Stereotypical classes. You have uh, what is it? The warrior, uh, the the scholar. The scholar is your uh, magic user, who is tolerated by both the nobility and the religious authorities because his willingness to lend a hand in the past. Uh, you have the former soldier, yeah, who uh, has been fighting re- religious. Uh, Wars now. As an aside, and I'm gonna take a step back. Like I said, they don't name these characters, and they don't they they give you a blank slate with the setting. But there's an implied setting in the characters' descriptions, which you know kind of defeats the purpose of having a blank slate. Yeah. Of, yeah. of the setting. But in any case, uh, the pagan who happens to be the thief is. Uh, related to the former soldier and goes to the former soldier for help saying uh, I got myself into a pile of crap because I, I stole this artifact and I think it's bad because they want to sacrifice people to it. Um, and then you have the cleric who is an inquisitor which implies a 
heck of a lot yeah. about how that character is going to be played. Um, is apparently back in town because the wars have died down. So now instead of fighting the enemy, they're going to find the enemy within. And he's here to uh, uh, check the side where the scholar is still friendly to the church. And uh, t- the, he was here, but he rested a group of apostates prior in town. This group of apostates, by the way, is what our uh, our thief, our pagan, is linked to. So there's all there is as a convention game with roleplay. There are so many uh, strings to pull between characters. With the right group, it will play out really well. With the wrong group, you're gonna have players sitting in front of you twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, because they're not gonna. It, it takes the right player to really uh, embrace that and to find four of them at a table randomly is going to be rough. My humble opinion. So, yeah, like you said, I think it plays better if you drop it into a campaign and you make a lot of adjustments to it. The seed is very good. The core, this artifact, uh, the the breaker of bonds, who the, which does which is really like a possessed individual, which means that you could destroy the breaker of bonds that's there, and it could reappear later, because it's a spirit really more than a physical entity that's inhabiting. But the problem with just destroying the remover of bonds or the artifact without proper destruction is that you whatever host that he's part the host will just wither away and die just collapse. Right. So there's kind of a moral dilemma there too. If you want to save this person, or you just say f it and you're just going to let him die. I mean, obviously you can just let him die, but that's not right. Really, it's, good it's characters wouldn't do that. <laughs> if it's an NPC. Well, that's, that's the whole thing, too, that, you know, they really don't spell out whether the players know what's going to happen if you destroy, you know, like the side effects of destroying this artifact, or even that you need to destroy the artifact. There are, there are pieces to this puzzle that are omitted, and I would like to say they were omitted because of space concerns, but like you said, it's 21 pages of very large print, which I appreciate at the advanced age of 49. I always complain about certain products that are the font is so small, I, I have to like break out my reading glasses, which I don't like to admit that I have. Um, you have different glasses than the glasses you normally wear? Well, I, although these are uh, bifocals, believe it or not, the ones I wear, I actually do have uh, higher uh, uh, magnification uh, reading glasses for those times when my weary eyes can't read stuff. And I don't have that problem with this PDF, but I could probably wouldn't have had that problem with this PDF if the font was half the size. It's that, that's that's probably how large it is. Yeah, I, I think if it was normal font, like a 12 or a 13, I'm thinking maybe, or 10, it'd probably be half the amount of pages this is right now. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, so that's the whole part that really throws me for a loop here is this whole section on ending the threat that he line outlines for you. It's like how or how would the players how would the player characters or, or players for that matter know half this stuff? I mean, I guess you could do some intelligence roles or no. the scholar can do some roles on history or something. 
Right, but it's not like the the players have time to go into town, find uh, the church, hope that they have a religious library you can do research at. It's going to be uh, basically a trial and, well, uh, you know what? You, you, you killed the remover of bonds. What happened? <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, you destroyed the artifact. Okay, what happened? But did you, you, you can restore the artifact, you can return it to consecrated grounds, there's different things you can do, but destroying the artifact also can't just be destroyed by, uh, you know, taking the cleric's hammer to it and, and bashing it up. It, it has to be two spells, one from the scholar, one from the inquisitor, which really makes it a puzzle that's not solvable. Yeah. Resolvable, solvable, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I, it's really, yeah, it's kind of... the. It's a good... I think it's a good scenario, to be honest. It has a couple good role-playing aspects to it, a good situation for a moral dilemma, and it has a situation where if you put the information out there somehow, right. it'd be a great... I'm thinking this is definitely better for a seed for a campaign, to be honest. Oh, it, it, it could certainly kick off a large story arc in your campaign. Oh, yeah. Especially if it comes down to you have to figure out how to get this artifact destroyed. In the meantime, while your PCs have it, they're going to be hounded by the cult that wants to recover this. Maybe not always outwardly hounded by it, uh, but definitely, you know... Gonna, gonna be continually popping up in uh, different play sessions. There's a lot you can do with that, which is why it's a shame that I think it's shoehorned as it is into uh, to a, a convention setting. I mean, it's well written. There's no mistakes, which you find in a lot of these things sometimes. No offense to people out there, but you do find them sometimes. Oh yeah. I mean, and I'm not just talking about like a you know a simple little letter here. I mean, just blatant, outright, just <laughs> like like whole paragraphs missing from the middle. Yeah, things like that. So yeah, it's it's put together really well. And if it, if it was a smaller, my only like I said, my only complaint was if it had, I wish it was a smaller font, and more information was added here and there. But as is, pay what you want. Average price of a dollar forty six is listed here on RPG Now. Mm-hmm. Just grab it for nothing, and if you really like it and use it in your game, go back and give the guy the dollar forty-six, or a dollar, or five cents, or something, or whatever you think is fair. I, I, again, I really do think that the seed that's presented in here is imaginative, uh, and it's well done. Uh, I get, I get. Can you guess I did gardening today? But uh, I, it, it doesn't really have the potential to grow uh, to, as it's given. There's a, you know, but if you as a DM take this and you say, all right, I'm going to take this uh, as opposed to being a one-shot adventure or one-shot encounter, however you want to look at it, and like you said, start a campaign off with this where the players stumble into the middle of this crap, you can keep something going for a while with this. But you have to be prepared to say this is the seed, let it grow, and I got to build. So, 
in the ending the threat area where it says if you kill the remover of bonds host before he activates the artifact which if you read the description as soon as he sees the artifact he's just going to mumble some words and it activates it so really that whole little section can't work unless you have players that are the total opposite of role players and attack the moment he walks site. into a room and decides to attack him but they said However, anyone touching the artifact with bare skin must test versus wisdom with a failure indicating they become the new host. Isn't that awesome? You can have so much fun with that. Especially if you don't let on to the group that this has happened. Uh, my personal suggestion with something like that is that test versus wisdom. Let that test versus wisdom happen two sessions later. Even the play, so even and then you and that's when you pull that player aside and the group will have no idea if you tell them. By the way, remember two sessions ago when you touched that statue that you guys have in your backpack that you're trying to get rid of? Yeah, you were you are you are possessed, and it's been and you've been playing along for the last two sessions and keep on playing along, but here's some ideas for you to screw with the party or whatever. Yeah. Get your other. Uh, these are your uh, instructions now, what you would need to accomplish. Yeah, unfortunately, he's latched on to you, and the whole time you haven't realized it. He's been dormant, and now he's coming mm -hmm. out. He's going to be abusing you now. Right, but I would, something like that, if you make that roll at that time, or you tell, roll, roll uh, saving throw with a wisdom adjustment, uh, they're going to go, oh my. <laughs> Yeah. All right, well, you failed, but nothing seems to have happened. Now the whole party knows, all right, he's possessed. Even if you don't have to say it. But if you do it, and then, like, was, you know. Was that Chewbacca failing his role there for a minute? It could have been. <laughs> I, I don't do a good Chewbacca, but. And that was a pretty good one, though. Unintentional. Yeah. But, yeah, but, you can definitely do that. Yeah. I would definitely roll behind your screen, because every good DM should have a screen and hidden roles. Sorry, that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to that. And you just roll it, and then don't let them know what it is. And if they fail, they fail. And then you can go forward with your evil moo <laughs> It doesn't say instantly. It just says, we'll have become the new host. So right. you can let it lay dormant, and then they think the threat's over, and move on from there. I agree. Wholeheartedly. So, if we were going to do this out of five stars, how many would you give, Eric? Um... I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to give it a, a dual rating. A dual if, rating. A dual rating. All right. If you're rating. not willing to put any work into this, and you want it to be something that you can drop into your campaign, because most of us are looking at things for our campaign, and you're not gonna do much work on it, it's a two. If you're going to take this and say, "Wow, this is a great seed." I really like what's here. What can I do with this? And you put some effort into it. I give it a four. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. If you're not going to do any work into it, it's not going to be anything helpful for you at all, to be honest. No. Maybe, yeah, depending on your group. I mean, if your group's a bunch of role players, and heck, yeah, this will be a five for your group. If not, it's going to be a one or a two. But if you put the work into this, which I'm already sitting here, like, jotting down little notes, things that we've been talking about, what we can do. I'm like, oh, this would be kind of cool for like a long campaign arc with this whole cult. And I was thinking about what the cult could be, and like a, I always like going to snake cults or dragon cults because you know that's the norm for all role playing games for some reason. 
Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I've got some ideas brewing for this. This might actually be a fun adventure to do, so. Hmm. Like I said, you just gotta... If, if you treat it as a seed and you let that seed grow, there's great potential here. If you take it as, oh, here's the seed, what is my group going to do with it? And you don't put any effort into it. In 45 minutes, my players would have killed everybody, including the bartender. <laughs> they would have taken a statue, uh, tried to melt it down for gold. Yeah. What, what, what I really kind of like about this, and we kind of went over it real quick, but... Actually, I think we passed by it, but it was the antelope demonlings? Well, we kind of mentioned it when. Yep. Yeah, it um when the remover of bonds decides to do his you know try to attack to get the artifact, these things come out of the darkness. These these half human, hooved, antelope head demonlings come out of like the shadows as if they've been there the whole time. And you know how much fun you can have in a campaign by scaring the crap out of your players, like. All of a sudden, these demonlings show up every time they turn around. They'd be scared. Oh, and, and did, you, did you catch the part that should one of these minor demons be slain before the artifact has been neutralized, two more will appear to take its place the following round? Yes. Now, that seems to be uh, ad infinitum. You know, keep on going. You took one down, two more. You took one down, two more. So, again, you can't, even, you don't... You can't even turn them. No, you can't turn them, and... There's really no solid hint on how to neutralize that artifact. So, yeah. Um, I, again, my suggestion is take this, rework it, and uh, use it as inspiration. I think there's a lot of awesome inspiration here that, that one can work with. Oh, yeah, definitely. You can You can work this into a full campaign and have so much fun with this. Changing various things around, such as those uh, antelope demonlings, I would change it so that there is a limited number of them that are coming out. Yes, it's not just an ever <laughs> strand of like lemmings coming out to attack you or something. I would put like you know, kind of like the foot soldiers and teenage mutant ninja turtles that just pop up and there's more, and then they suddenly go away because they're right. You know, something like that, or you know, yeah, they got, they're there for a limited number of rounds before it fun. Yeah, you know, end. Mm -hmm. But that's what I would do. Uh, tell us your opinion, old school podcast at dgstexas.com. Give us an email and a shout. And uh, check us out on Facebook. You can find us, Old School Blues Podcast, at Facebook. And um, I think we're on G. I'm not sure or positive about that. But yeah, you can find us definitely on Facebook, or you can hit up Eric on his blog, Tankers Tavern. Black. No, I'm kidding. Tankers Tavern. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And uh, I guess we're going to call it a night, and uh, we'll see you next time, folks. Later, later.